Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen and amen. Well, today, get your Bibles out, and I want you to go with me to the Gospels. And more specifically, I want to open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke chapter number 19, we find that this is the weekend that we celebrate what many people call Palm Weekend, okay, or Palm Sunday, if you will. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, and as he was coming in, you remember the story that he told the disciples to go and to find a colt, right? The foal of a donkey. And and this young colt had never been ridden on before. It was exclusively for Jesus. And he says, I want you to tie it and bring it here. And if anybody asks you what's going on, say, the Lord has need of it. The disciples go, and it happens just like he said. They're untying it. And somebody says, hey, what are you doing there? You know, it's basically like they're still in a car. And, And so they say, oh, wait, wait, wait. The Lord has need of it. And they say, okay, then, then it's cool. Go ahead. Go on. Now, that in itself is miraculous, right? Because if somebody was still in your car or my car, we'd say, hey, I don't know who the Lord is. You, you bring that back here. Stop it. And yet they said, oh, go ahead. So they bring that to him, and they take their coats off, and they throw it on this donkey. And Jesus sits on this donkey, not riding on a big horse, not coming in with a sword. No, coming in as the humble king. And as he comes in, the people recognize this, and a shout comes out, and they start to throw their coats on the ground, and they cut palm branches down, and they throw them before him so that the donkey's walking on these coats and these branches as he comes into Jerusalem. And there they shout, and the the Pharisees get annoyed, and they say, Master, quiet your disciples. And he says, I tell you the truth, these guys don't start, don't, don't praise right now, that even the rocks will cry out in their place. What an amazing moment this was. And I want to read the scriptures to you from Luke chapter number 19. I'm going to start in verse number 37. I'm going to read down through verse number 46. It says, Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And don't you know they had seen mighty works? They'd seen healings. They saw Lazarus alive after he had been dead. They saw blind eyes open. They saw lepers cleansed. They saw deaf ears loosed. Oh my goodness, they had seen so many mighty works. Verse 38 saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse number 39, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Verse 40, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Verse 41, now as he drew near, he saw the city. Look at this. And he wept over it. Verse 42, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day. Everybody at home, say, your day. Say it once again. Say, your day. Especially in this, your day. The things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Verse 43, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. We know that about 40 years later in 70 AD, Titus came in and raised the entire city of Jerusalem. This was a prophecy and this actually took place. Verse 45, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold. And in verse 46, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. The title for this weekend's message is simply this, don't miss a moment. Don't miss a moment. There are moments in our life that are defining. There are times that I believe that God has set up for us 
corporately as the body of Christ, as the church on the earth, but also as individuals. God has set up divine appointments and moments that as we go through those things, those are moments in our life that define who we are. And literally, it's in a moment that your entire life can change. Think about it. Think about it. In the Gospels, out of all of the Gospels, almost a third of the Gospels is devoted simply to the last week of Jesus' life. How much God packed into one week? How much destiny? How much purpose? How much teaching? How many divine moments had God set up for Jesus Christ himself to be able to come into Jerusalem, to go through all the things that he did, to have the last supper, the last conversations he had, to suffer and to die. There was a divine destiny on this moment. There was a divine destiny on this week as Jesus came into Jerusalem. And it's no different for you. And it's no different for me. In fact, I remember one of those defining moments in my life. I was a new Christian, just a teenager at the time. And I remember I had gone to a Bible study at a friend's house down the street. And so I was there and having a great time learning the word of God and talking about the Bible, fellowshipping with friends. And so it was time for the Bible study to end. And so we said goodbye and I started to walk home. It was a bright day, a sunny day. It was a beautiful, warm California day. And as I was walking home, I remember just praising God. I was so happy. I was so full of the word. I was so encouraged. And as I walked home, way off in the distance, I saw somebody. He had his head down. He had a scowl on his face. His head was shaved, and he looked really mean, and he was kind of stomping as he walked. And he was just, just head down. He wasn't going to look up. And I felt the gentle whisper of the Lord whisper right here in my heart. And he said, tell him that I love him. And I just continued to walk, and I continued to look at this guy, and I thought, tell him that you love him. I mean, I might be kind of weird, God. The man just kept walking towards me, and I heard that gentle whisper once again, tell him that I love him. I kind of shook it off, and I said, I don't know, God. I, I, I'm a little bit nervous. I, I, I don't know if that, that would be weird. He doesn't look like he wants to be bothered. And I passed him, and as I passed him, I almost said something, but I just kind of shied away from it. And as I kept walking, I felt so bad. And I just felt like horrible on the inside. I was just like, oh, God, I just disobeyed God. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to obey God. And so I turned around and I looked, and this man was nowhere to be found. I don't know if this was an angel. I don't know if the guy jumped a fence. I don't know what happened. All I know is that at that moment when I looked and that guy was gone, the Spirit of God spoke to me one more time in here. But this time it wasn't a whisper. This time it was a little bit louder. And he said to me, I don't want you to disobey me like that again. And that was a defining moment in my life because I said, God, I, I, I am not going to disobey you like that again. I, I will be your servant. God, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. God, here I am. Send me. It was a defining moment in my life. And I believe that that was one of those moments like we see here when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. As I read this story and as I see the things taking place, as I see the throngs of people and as I see what's happening, the interaction with Jesus and the Pharisees and, and the disciples shouting his praise. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stopping. When everyone else is laughing and celebrating and praising, he's weeping and crying. In fact, the, the words in the Bible are very stark words. They, they don't just talk about crying. They talk about heaving sobs. That Jesus had heaving sobs over Jerusalem as he started to prophesy what would take place 
not long after his departure from the earth. All of this was a defining moment. But I had this thought as I was studying these scriptures. I believe that God would like to show us that unlikely events often lead to the greatest victories in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Unlikely events often lead to the greatest victories in the kingdom of God. Think about this for a moment. An unlikely event, well, what would that be? Well, how about the children of Israel finally get permission to go out and worship the Lord? They finally come out from Pharaoh. They plundered their neighbors. The, the, the plagues have all happened. They're sent out in a great throng. And they come up to the great expanse of the Red Sea. There they are, and they're stopped, and they turn around, and behind them is the smoke of the chariots of the Egyptians coming after them. They're between a rock and a hard place. They have nowhere to go, and it was this unlikely event that turned into the greatest deliverance that this nation of Israel would know when God parted the sea, had them walk through on dry ground, and then wiped out the greatest army on the planet at that time with the waters covering them in one foul swoop. Oh my goodness, unlikely events lead to the greatest victories for the kingdom of God. How about this unlikely event? When King David, before he was ever king, is just a young shepherd boy on the hills of Judea, and he gets sent to go and see his brothers at the front battle lines. And there at the front battle lines, he sees that there's a battle array and a champion comes out from the other side. And he starts to taunt the children of Israel and says, send me your champion and we'll fight. And whoever dies, the other nation will serve them. And David on the inside of him, a, a young boy, probably just 15 years old, a teenager, just gets enraged on the inside and he says, is there not a cause? And he steps up to go and fight, but he doesn't put on armor. No, he goes out there with a sling and with the name of the Lord his God. It was that unlikely event that turned into the deliverance for the nation and turned King David's life around. Unlikely events. How about this unlikely event? Saul, breathing out threats and murder against the church, gets a letter to go to Damascus to go and persecute the church. And it was this moment that defined his entire life ahead of him when he got knocked off his horse by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when he had that encounter with Jesus that all of a sudden he's blinded and he goes and he hears from the voice of Ananias that he can know God, that he's been chosen by God, that he can hear his voice and that he can be a witness for Jesus Christ. See, for all of us, we need to understand that it's oftentimes these unlikely events that lead to the greatest victories in the kingdom of God. Maybe you've had questions. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe the marriage hasn't worked out. Maybe the kids have gone south. I don't know what you're sitting in the midst of right now, the problems that are coming against you, the trials that are there around your life. Life, but I know that these unlikely events that we find ourselves in, maybe you're just depressed right now. Maybe you've been inside too much. Maybe there's no hope for you right now. But unlikely events are oftentimes a setup for the greatest victories in the kingdom of God. We need to know that. We need to understand that, that even when we don't see God moving, he is still working and he's still doing great and mighty things. See, in, in verse number 38, the people as they're shouting to Jesus, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? They're actually quoting Psalm 118, verse 26. And this is a messianic psalm. I want to just read two verses out of Psalm 118, verse 25 and verse 26. It says, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. That save now in the New Testament, we would translate as Hosanna. That's oftentimes why you hear songs and shouts of Hosanna on Palm Sunday. 
Verse 26 says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's that direct quote that they were shouting to Jesus. They were acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied in the Psalms. And it goes on and says, we have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Jesus was headed towards Jerusalem, and eventually he was headed to the house of his God, his house, the house of the Lord. Now, interestingly enough, the verse before, verse 25, obviously is verse 24. Some of you guys caught me there. Some of you guys got there before me. But what they quote in verse 24 is a very familiar verse to us. What does Psalm 118 verse 24 say? It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Some of you guys could sing that right now. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. They're saying something. This day that Jesus is revealed, this day that the king has come into Jerusalem, this day that the Messiah has finally revealed himself, this is that day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Did you know that the prophets had prophesied of this day? Daniel and Jeremiah had prophesied about the fact that Jerusalem would be restored and rebuilt and that the Messiah would show himself to be the king coming into Israel at this time. This is that day that was prophesied. The angel Gabriel told Daniel of that day in Daniel chapter number nine and verse number 25. Listen to what Gabriel says to Daniel. He says, know therefore and understand. We ought to know this stuff. We ought to understand the time and the season that we're living in. That from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the prince There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, really what that's talking about is seven sevens, seven clusters, seven years of seven, which would equal 49, and then 62 weeks. Now, all those together add up to 483 years. And it says, the street shall be built again and the wall. Look at the last part of Daniel chapter number nine, verse 25. Even in troublesome times. See, God is still working in the midst of chaos. God is still working in the midst of trials. God is still working in the middle of troubled times. You know, the world, I don't know, has ever seen anything like we're sitting in the middle of right now. We've seen plagues. We've seen worldwide plagues. We've seen those types of things. But for the whole world to shut down like it has, for for these things, these are unprecedented times. But guess what? God is still working even in troubled times. Because if they can prophesy that 483 years later that the Messiah is going to show up on a day and on that day he will reveal himself, guess what? 2,000 years later, God is still revealing himself. Jesus is still the Messiah. Jesus is still revealing who he is in this day and in this hour. And Jesus is saying, will you take a look at who I am and what I'm doing? Will you look to my working? Will you look to my power? Will you look to my plan during this evening? Because even in troubled times, even 2,000 years later, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Somebody ought to celebrate that right now at home. Somebody ought to stand up and give the Lord a glory, a hallelujah, and a shout. Because it's true. This is that day. This is that day, even in troubled times. God is working on our behalf. 
Acts chapter 15, verse number 18, known to God from eternity are all his works. God knows what he's doing. God was not surprised by this time and this season that we live in. If he had ordered that moment for Jesus to go into Jerusalem, guess what? God has ordained our steps as well. God knows the things that he's doing. He knows the plans that he has for us. He knows that these uncertain times with unlikely events are happening. And it's in these moments that we need to simply follow God's instructions. Don't let up. Don't get off. Don't get distracted or discouraged or depressed during this time. Just follow the plan. Remember, Jesus set his face like a flint to head into Jerusalem. He knew where he was going. He knew what his father's business was and what he had to be about. He knew that he had to go and suffer and die on that cross. And we are following God's will and God's way for our life. Don't let up on your daily devotions. Don't let up on your prayer time. Don't let up on your Christian witness. Don't let up on your tithing. Don't let up on your generosity or blessing others or helping people out. Don't let up on those things that God has called you to. It may look different in this season, but don't let up. Keep going with God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even in the midst of a trial, we need to praise him and follow the plan. We can all agree that our current situation is strange. We can all agree that these are unlikely times. And probably it will seem like a short time once all this is over. But the course of the entire world will have changed. I don't believe that we're going to be the same on the other side of this. I believe that things are being defined for the future. Not only the future of pandemics and the future of things that are taking place on the earth, but protocols are being written. Precedents are being set. And we can never go back to the way it was I believe that this is a setup by God, that this moment that we need to meet up at this time and not miss out on an opportunity that God has handed to the church. Never before has there been such opportunities, such eyes for hope and things that God is showing up and wanting us to display his glory in before. There have been tragedies, there have been trials, there have been moments that we have met as a church. We, we've gone through different things. 9-11 was one of those times, I remember. We called up the church. We were far away at Bible College, and they said, we just opened the church doors, and people just started to show up. But over the decades, there's been apathy, and there's been things that have got us off of God, and got us off of church, and got us off of the things of God. And now, listen, I'm not saying that God did this. God did not put this disease on the earth. I believe that this is evil. I believe that this is demonic. And I believe that this is something that grieves the heart of God when people are dying. And yet, I do believe that God is good in the midst of all this. And I do believe that God has ordained this day that it didn't catch him by surprise. He knew the enemy's plan and he knew the enemy's working far before. And he had planned good works for the church to walk in. That God is setting us up for something new. And we will not be the same church we were before the outbreak. So what do we do? How do we capitalize on this time? How do we not miss the moment that God has handed to us? It's very simple. We need to be attentive and we need to pray. We need to be attentive and we need to pray. You say, Pastor, that's too simple. Pastor, I, I, I need something harder to do. Could you please tell me to go and climb the highest mountain? Could you tell me to cross the deepest ocean? Could you tell me to go and do something like memorize all the scriptures? No, because God doesn't make it simple. God doesn't make it hard. God doesn't make it hard on us. God makes it simple for us to follow his will. God wants us to simply be attention, be attentive. God wants us to simply be attentive and to pray. God wants us to watch and to wait on him. Oftentimes that's the hardest things to do is the simplest things that God gives us to do, to be attentive and to pray. See, Jesus knew the moment that he was living in. Jesus knew the plan that God had outlined before his feet. And he was attentive to the voice of God. 
You know, oftentimes before Jesus did major moments in ministry, he would go up to the mountainside and pray. And he would get with the Father. He would get the heart of God and the plan of God, and then he would go and he would do those things that he heard and that he saw in those times of prayer. In the same way, we need to be attentive. Eyes on God. Eyes up, church. Don't be looking around. Don't be looking down. Look up to God right now. Be attentive to the time and the season that we're in. As you hear news reports and as you hear updates and things that are taking place around you, have an ear open. God, what do you think about this? What are you saying about this? Be attentive and pray. Talk to God. Start to intercede. Start to pray. There's a great story in the book of Numbers, chapter number 16, and it's about the high priest Aaron. It's about Moses, who was the prophet. In the Old Testament, the prophet oftentimes represented the word of God. And Aaron is a picture of our high priest who came of a different order. Not of the order of Aaron, but of a new order. Jesus Christ, our high priest now. And in Numbers, if you turn there to chapter number 16, there's been a rebellion that's taken place against the authority of Moses and Aaron. Supernatural things have taken place, and the people, after they see the judgment that took place, they start to complain once again. And it grieves the heart of God. And so God tells Moses and Aaron, I want you to get away from the people. Because the wrath of God is breaking out, and a plague starts And so Moses sees what happens, and Moses is attentive, but Moses knows that God is grace, that God is gracious, that God is kind, that God is compassionate, that God is loving, not wanting to wipe people out. And so Moses tells his brother Aaron in chapter 16 of Numbers, and I'm going to read verse number 46 down through verse number 48. Take a look at it with me in Numbers chapter 16. Verse 46 through verse 48, it says, So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it. Somebody say incense. Incense in the Bible represents the prayers of the saints. If you take a look in the book of Revelation, you'll find out that there was an angel who had a censer with much incense in it. And he threw it to the earth, and the Bible itself defines for us what that incense was. It says the prayers of the saints. And so he says, I want you to put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. That word atonement means a covering. It was a covering for sin, that the sin was covered when atonement was made, that it was taken care of. And it says, for wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Verse 47, then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. Aaron was simply attentive and obedient to do what he was commanded to do by the prophet who represented the word of God. Look at verse 48. Look at verse 48. Come on, you got to give God some attention right now. Don't miss this. Don't miss this because God is speaking purpose and destiny to you right now, church. And he says, and he stood, this is Aaron, he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. I believe that this is the time for the church, the body of Christ. And remember, Jesus is our high priest, but we are the body. We are part of him, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That we need to be attentive, know the time and the season that we live in. And I believe that God wants us to take a hold of the incense, the prayers of his people. And God wants us to go and stand between the living and the dead. I believe that God wants to stop this plague on the earth, but it's going to take a people to rise up be the body of Christ, to follow him and obey him, to not miss this moment, and to stand and to pray on behalf of those that are dying. 
There is a plague in our land, and I don't believe that God started. I believe that it's evil. It's of the enemy, but I believe that God wants his people, his priests and kings here on the earth, made by his blood to stand between the dead and the living, that this plague would stop in our land. You know what? If you're there in your house and you want to join me right now, why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up, take a moment right now, and let's pray together. Let's pray for this plague to end. Let's pray that lives are saved. Let's pray that people connect with God and connect with this house because Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Let's pray together, saints. Come on, would you just lift up your hands to the Lord. Father, we give you thanks for your word today. God, we receive it with meekness. And Lord, we don't want to miss this moment that we're living in. But God, we want to be attentive, and we want to pray to you, God. And so we stand on behalf of our land. God, we stand on behalf of our nation. God, we stand on behalf of our world. Lord, and we would pray, God, that not one more person would die from this ungodly plague. Father, we pray that you would send healing, God, that you would send salvation, Lord, that you would use this moment, God, to bring about the greatest victories in the kingdom of God that people who would have not stepped foot in a church, people who would have uh, scorned the things of God, that now, Lord, that they would be open to the gospel message and to receiving salvation in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We stand between the dead and the living, Father God. We lift up our prayers to you. Maybe you have a prayer that's been on your heart. Maybe you just want to talk to God. Would you just lift up that prayer to the Lord right now? Would you just take this moment, this time that you have right now, and just Ask God, pray to him, pour out your heart before him. We thank you, Father. We give you praise, God. We love you, Lord. Take every fear, God. Take every doubt, God. The cares that have weighed us down, Lord. Father, we repent of bad attitudes, God. And Lord, we stir ourselves up in faith believing you for great things. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.